with all my heart, I want to love you. You know, there's a lot of things in this world right now that people are taking serious. I mean, like some people take football games really serious. Come on, somebody say, oh, me on that one. Come on now. I need your help this morning. There are people in this world that loves to watch them some, some football. Then there are others who are excited because it's just about to be basketball season. And boy, they're going to get all excited about some basketball. They're going to get serious about some basketball. There are other things in this world that's serious right now. I can think of one, like this whole coronavirus thing. That's something to be taken serious. I mean, there's, there's some people that, that they drive their cars with their mask on. They are walking around their house with their mask on. They take it serious. There's a lot of things in this world that's serious right now. The election seems to be really serious and dominates our TV watching or our own screen time. That is serious. There's a lot of things in this world that's being taken serious right now. And today, we're going to take a few moments. And above all else, above sports, above the pandemic, above politics, even above our own family, and the circumstances of our life, we're going to take this, the Lord's table, serious today. You know, there's a lot of times that you may go to church, and I grew up going to church where we would go to church, there would be some singing, there would be a, me a message, and then at the end of the service, every month that had a fifth Sunday in it, we'd have the Lord's Supper. It would be tacked on as the last thing we would do before we would leave. And it was always an indication to me as a little boy, the service is almost over and I get to go home. Let's just be honest. That's the way I was. But I want you to know something. Having looked at the Lord's Supper, this should never be something we just tack on. It should never be something that should be taken lightly. It should be something taken very seriously. Especially in light of everything that's happening around us today. Why is the Lord's Supper important? Why do we celebrate this? Well, we have to begin in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, if you will. As a matter of fact, we have to begin all the way back into Genesis to understand why today we must come to this table seriously. In the book of Genesis, the first marriage was Adam and Eve. And we all know that sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve. And when that took place, they realized that they were naked. And they tried to cover themselves the best they could and do what they could to cover up what they realized that was wrong with them. And that was their nakedness. And so they got fig leaves to cover that nakedness. Then God began to walk. See, God was communing with them. He was talking with them, walking with them, spending time with them. And he came into the garden and he said, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was at. He knew exactly where Adam was. He, he knew exactly what had happened. And then finally Adam said, here I am. Why are you hiding, Adam? Because we realized we were naked. Well, how did this happen? Well, this woman you gave me, God, it's your fault. Sin entered into the world. 
God wanted to commune and be close to His creation, Adam and Eve, but yet they made the mistake and sinned. And there was a brokenness that took place. And what happened at that moment would set forth everything that we would read and see in the Old Testament that would set up while we're here today. God took an animal and took its flesh and made a covering for them. What had to happen that day to cover their sin? There had to be a sacrifice. An animal that had nothing to do with it, that was not the cause of it, that was not to blame for it, that did not push it upon them, that animal had to die and blood was shed. And so that day, when sin entered into the world, so also sacrifice for sin. As we look through the Old Testament, we see where that sacrifice was set up to cover the sins of a nation of Israel. And there came a time in Micah where they didn't, they didn't take it very serious. They would look at the altar and, and really when you read in Micah, you'll, you'll find they had this kind of attitude. Oh yeah, we're doing that again. I hope today you have not come to church going, oh yeah, we're doing the Lord's Supper again. Whoop-de-doo, big deal. I hope today you have already gotten your elements, you have them out. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you right now as we are going through this to take those elements and just place them in your hand. Hold on to them. Have them close. We don't have to open it yet, just hold on to it. Because what you have in your hand was instituted beginning in the Garden of Eden that would lead to sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins. An animal died because Adam and Eve did not take serious what God had said. Lambs would have to die because people would not take serious what God had said. And it came to to pass in Micah that they got to a place where, you know, any old lamb will do. So what if it's blind? So what if it's crippled? So what if it's got cancer? Whatever it's got, just send it to the altar. It's all right. We've done this so many times. We've just done it over and over. It's no big deal. Let me tell you something. Your attitude before the Lord's table will determine His power and blessing in your life. If you want God's presence to be real in your life, you will take this serious today. See, the people in the book of Micah did not take it serious. When they looked upon the altar, which was the place, the Lord's table, if you will, where sacrifice would take place, where there would, there would be the breaking of the body of the lamb, where there would be the shedding of the blood. When they looked at that, they didn't take it serious. And God had to remove his hand and said, How dare you come to me expecting a blessing when you disregard the very altar? We come to the new covenant where Jesus, we know, was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He came from heaven and he lived here on earth. Lived a perfect life. He did not sin, but yet he gave his life, his body and his blood for you and I to be covered in our sins, to be wiped away. That is the sacrifice today that this Lord's table is all about because it was that Passover that was established after the exodus from Egypt. When that took place, the Passover was established, and Jesus sat down to 
celebrate that very... It was the number one celebration that the Jewish nation would do every year is the Passover. And Jesus would sit down and have his last meal. His last supper, if you will. This is why this is called the Lord's Supper. And there's a good reason why it's called communion. Because I don't know about your house, but when we sit down at the table at my house, it's time for some communion to go on. My kids will begin to talk. And here's what I love. We have a habit of turning the TV on when we sit down to eat. And I have noticed in the last few years, that TV, it doesn't matter whether it's on or off, we're sitting there laughing, talking, carrying on, having a great time just being together. When we pull up to a table, we are there to commune with whoever is there with us at the table, right? You've experienced that. Whenever we want to get together with friends, you know what we usually talk about first? Food. We want to eat, right? I mean, tonight we're going to be decorating the church, and one of the things that I've mentioned is bring some soup, bring a dessert. Even if you don't, just come on. We're going to just spend time together decorating the church as a family and eat. Eating was one of the things that brings people together, and even today it does that. But I want us to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because there's some important elements that we can find that in regard to the Lord's table that I want us to understand so that we can take this day very serious. If you're holding on to your cup, would you just hold it up this morning? Hold it up to let the Lord know you got it. This is serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we find that there is a discussion within this New Testament church. They had gotten to the place where they were in the Old Testament where they were like, okay, the Lord's Supper again, let's get it over. Let's get through this, let's move on. They were taking it very lightly. So Paul is explaining in chapters 10 and 11, he's addressing some issues about the Lord's table. And I want us to look first in verse 16, one of the truths about the Lord's table found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. It says this, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are sharing in the life of Christ. To take it lightly is to spit on the cross. Can I just say that? I'm just going to be blunt this morning if it's okay. I'm just going to tell you like it is. To take this lightly is to spit upon the cross on which Christ died. To simply go, oh, it's that again, is to simply go, well, Jesus, so what? This is to be taken serious. For when we partake of the cup and we partake of the bread, we are sharing in the blessing of His life. That's principle number one. And if, it is, if that is the case, we must take it serious. But there is an obstacle in our life. Can I just tell you about it this morning? It's found in this chapter. Look down, if you will, with me. Let's begin reading in verse number 20 of the same chapter. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God, and do not want you to become sharer. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. Okay, listen. Listen very carefully. I didn't write this. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. 
You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Pastor, what is that talking about? Number one is this. Demons are real and they existed in the early church right here and demons exist today. Number two. The table of demons is real in your life as much as it is in my life, as much as it was in this first church's life. The table of demons exists, and it is there being offered to you. Pastor, what is, what is the table of demons exactly? Remember how I shared with you that the table is that symbol of communing, of coming together and sharing life. Like it says earlier in this chapter, whenever we partake of the cup, we partake, we share in the blessing of Christ's life, His body, His blood. So with that same concept, when we partake of the table of demons, we are sharing in the life of who? The demons. The demons are that which are evil, that which pulls us away from what? The seriousness of Christ in our life. So I submit to you today, that which stands in the way of you taking Christ serious, that which you will sacrifice for becomes what you worship. You partake of a table of demons when you do that. I want you to begin to think. I want you to begin to wonder. Am I partaking of the table of demons? Because Paul makes it very clear here, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot take the body of Christ, the bread, and that of demons. So this morning we come serious. This isn't about election results. This isn't about a bank statement. It, this has nothing to do with what's happened this year. This has to do with what happened 2,000 years ago on a cross over in Jerusalem when Jesus Christ died for you and I. The table of demons offers up a glorious banquet. One in which you will salivate and love to have. It could be as simple as being offered on your phone or on your TV. It could, be, it could come in the respect of an attitude or an idea or what is going on around you in which you partake. That pushes you away from Jesus. So I encourage you today to examine yourself to see which table you have been partaking from. I know this week I partook of a glorious table at my mom's house. Turkey, Dressing, green beans, mashed potatoes. Come on now. Somebody say, Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you for that. We love to eat. I partook of a table that was absolutely delicious. The demons and the devil will make you think that their table is absolutely delicious. And you may taste it, and it may taste pretty good. But it would be the difference of going to McDonald's for Thanksgiving and sitting down at your mama's good homemade Thanksgiving meal. You, you know what I'm talking about? Would anybody take a McDonald's cheeseburger over your mama's dressing and turkey? and Uh-uh, no way. That, now, now look, the hamburger's pretty good, but if you've never tasted mama's food... Woo! Mama's food's good. 
Today, this is what is good. And when we take this serious, remember it mentioned the blessing? There's a blessing that comes in the Lord's table. But there's also something else. I don't know what you might be struggling with or how you may be feeling. But I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. This is something that I've never really focused on in all the times I've done the Lord's Supper. But there is something in here that I think is powerful for you and I today. Powerful. Verse 26 of chapter 11 says, For as often as you eat this bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Sorry. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. As often as you take the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim His death until He comes. My first question when I was, began to study this is, why doesn't it say you proclaim His death and resurrection? Because His resurrection is key to our salvation, that He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the dead. That is the key thing. Jesus is not dead and in the tomb. He is alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. His sacrifice didn't end with just flesh and blood, but a resurrection that gives us hope for the future and hope for tomorrow. But as we look at this, it says... For as often as we partake of the cup and the bread, we proclaim the Lord's death, the death of Christ, until He comes. Let me tell you what you're proclaiming. The power of the Lord's table. What it symbolizes is that the devil lost that day the ground that he had gained, that he thought that he had won from the time, uh, the beginning of time when he was there in the Garden of Eden all the way up until that night in Jerusalem. He thought he had gained the ground and he had won the battle. Jesus was dead on the cross. But oh, let me tell you something, my friend. When Jesus died on the cross, the battle was won. What looked like defeat was the greatest victory in history. Jesus won a battle. I don't know what you're struggling with in your life today, but Jesus won a battle and brought power. Ladies and gentlemen, I won't say it again. He brought power into your life when He died on the cross. Power to overcome sin in your life, to overcome that unworthiness in your life because Jesus said, I got this. And every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, and we partake of the bread, and we partake of the juice. We are proclaiming to the devil himself and all the demons the defeat that they were given and the power that Christ has brought into our life through his sacrifice. So today, I declare to you that what we are about to partake of is something to be taken serious. Today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never been saved, born again, however way you want to deem it, uh, term it, whatever language you use, if you have not accepted Christ into your life to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to be in charge, to forgive you, do not open this up. For this is to be taken serious. Read further in chapter 12, and it said, there's people among you who are weak, who are sick, and even dead because they didn't take the Lord's Supper serious. It's because they removed themselves from the power of Christ. 
Pastor, are you saying that if I don't take this serious, God may kill me or make me get sick? No. God will take His hand and go, All right, have it your way. Let me tell you, I am an absolute firm believer that the hand of my Lord has protected me from the coronavirus. I'm a firm believer. It's not just a mask. It's not where I go and, 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 and social distancing. It is a God in heaven that's protecting me. Because I've been around people and I minister to people and I've gone places. Ladies and gentlemen, we just had a, an entire football team go to Florida and play for a national championship and none of them had gotten the coronavirus until now. God's hand was on that team because they glorified God. It, that boggles the mind of everyone out there. I believe God's hand has been upon you to protect you. And if you don't take this serious, His hand can go, okay, have it your way. So today, I'll come to you to declare... If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, now's the perfect time to do it. And to partake of the communion for the first time, being a child of God. You are not a child of God if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to say something bold that's controversial. Thank God I'm not running for, for office because they'd use it and plaster it all over the TV. Here it comes. You can be Catholic and go to hell and not be a Christian. Just because you claim to be some religion doesn't make you a Christian. You're not a child of God simply because you're alive. You're only a child of God if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He is first and foremost. If that's the case, you're a child of God and you're a Christian. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not a Christian and you're not a child of God. God wants you to be. So He... Extends an invitation. We wrap our gifts with beautiful wrapping paper. We put bows on them for Christmas. And we want our, our gifts to look beautiful, don't we? We want to reflect the love that we have for the one that we're wrapping the present for. We will take time, unless you're a man and you just slap a bow on it. We will take time to make sure the edges are right. We will take time to make sure it's just the right paper and it's pretty. Because the person that we love and we're giving it to. We put thought into it. Well, God wrapped a gift one day. He didn't use Christmas wrapping paper. He used the wood of a cross. And he used the blood of Jesus to wrap a gift to say, This is for you. It is poured out for you. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to pretty up. You don't have to fix up. You don't have to get things right in your life and then accept Jesus. All you got to do is say, Lord, here I am. That which we look at today, the body and the blood of Christ, makes us worthy of the table when we accept Him. So today, if you're not sure, if you've pushed Jesus away in making that decision for Christ, please do not partake of the Lord's Supper today. Well, that's a little exclusionary. Not if you just accept the facts with faith. Jesus is not excluding you. He's inviting you to partake with this by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it's an act of faith, not an act of logic. When you receive Christ and say, God, take over my life and forgive me, He becomes your Savior. He wrapped that gift so that you don't have to 
make it pretty. So today we come. First and foremost, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please do not partake of the Lord's Supper. I've seen more people get saved during the Lord's Supper than I have on a regular Sunday morning service. It's because it makes the reality of what Christ did real and true. So today, maybe you have accepted Christ, and maybe you've been partaking of the table of demons, and you're starting to think that, yeah, there's some things in my life that's pushed me away from Christ, that's pushed, pushed me away from church or, or serving God or, or whatever. And that thing which has been pushing you away, let's do business with God this morning and get it cleaned up. Miss Jean is going to come, and she's going to begin to, to play. And I want us to examine ourselves, as the Scripture says here in chapter 11, it says to examine yourself carefully. So let's do that this morning. Bow your head and close your eyes. This morning, what we're about to partake of is serious. This isn't simply just a good man who died on a cross. This was the God of heaven who left heaven itself to come to earth. And he had you on his mind. He was thinking of Brian and Renee and Larry and Denise. He was thinking of Richard and Sandy. He was thinking of Mike and Paul and Mary and Kim and Miss Cece, Miss Wayne and Troy. He was thinking of all of us today. Where do you stand before the Lord right now? Do business with Him. Confess your sins. Thank Him for the sacrifice. If you have not accepted Christ, now's the time. Just simply ask Him to forgive you and take over your life. Father, I thank You today. You did not have to give us the Lord's Supper. You did not have to give us this communion. But Lord, you wanted to commune with us and to impart upon us the blessing and the power of what happens when we partake of the Lord's Supper seriously. We come to you today in obedience, Father. We ask you, O oh Lord, to bless this time that we will feel your presence like never before. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Those of you who are in this room and those of you who are at home watching, if you'll go ahead and turn your cup over so the juice is on the bottom and take the lid off of the bread. You'll notice the bread as you look upon it, as you peer at it. It's not perfect. 
has imperfections. Just as Christ, He knew you and I were not perfect. He was bruised for our iniquities. Today, we will partake of the bread. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul writes these words, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took the bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Typically, in a Lord's Supper service, we would have a deacon at this moment give thanks, right? But hey, let's just do things different, right? I want you to give thanks for the Lord's bread right now. You talk to God and give Him thanks. Everyone repeat this after me. Thank you, Father. After having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let the crunching of that bread remind you of the breaking of Christ's body. Turn your cup over. I really like these because they are in the shape of what we would consider a chalice. Something like Jesus would be taking that night. When He would have taken the cup and He would have, he would have taken the fruit of the vine and He would have poured it and He would have said, This is my blood poured out in the new covenant for you. As you hold this in your hand, be reminded of that. And in the same way, when He took the cup, He also gave thanks that night. For the cup. So again, let's do it a little different. You give thanks right now for the blood of Christ in the cup. Simply repeat after me, thank you, Father. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.